All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. I like how the number keeps going up and up each week. Y'all are getting a little more confident in talking in church. That's good. It's good. You want to hear it? All right, so uh, this morning, um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here at Connection Church Pooler. Um, and if it's your first time here this morning, I just want to welcome you. Um, I Kind of what Meredith was talking about, some of the things Thomas was talking about. Uh, just, we believe God has set us on a, a, a trajectory to a very specific mission and a vision for this place, this, this town, this county, and this area. And we believe that it's not something small. And we believe that one thing cool about following Jesus is we get to follow someone who has a mission and a vision that's, that's bigger than us. It goes, it far, it far outreaches who we are, it far outreaches what our, our plans and goals and our dreams and abilities and all that. Far, it's far beyond anything that we can do on our own. And that's what's awesome because we get to hold on to Jesus through those moments. And, you know, if it's your first time here this morning, I want you to uh, don't, if, if, this, if you're looking for a church, if, if you don't have a church home, we want to invite you back week after week here. If you've been coming here for, for week after week after week, my heart for you, and you, you should know this by now, is that I don't want you just to come here each week. Just don't come and just fill a spot. I'll, my heart for you is to get plugged in. Because we believe as, as, as Christians, as people who are following Jesus, getting plugged in, getting, getting rooted somewhere, whether it's here or any other church, to get plugged in and rooted in a place so that you can grow. Because we believe you can grow best in, in Christian community. And what that looks like is what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you to engage in what God is trying to do in your life. Because you can do something in your life that I'm not going to be able to do because you were created for a specific person, purpose that I was not created for. But as a body, look how awesome that would be if we were all going on the same mission together, all using the giftings and the abilities that God's given each one of us to do, we'd be an unstoppable force. And that's the definition of what the church was supposed to do from the very beginning. And so what I've learned is, is that as a child, I grew up in a Baptist church and I grew up in religion. I grew up in, the, I went to a Methodist church for a while. I went to a church, church, church. I was just indoctrinated with church, church, church for a long time, and it's not until recently that I didn't I realized that coming to church is not about you being a part of an audience and hearing a pastor speak or, or listen to worship. It's not about going to, going to church and, and, and giving your tithe and serving here and there. Um, going to church is, a, is, a, is about being in, being in an army, right? If you've ever been on a cruise ship, anybody ever been on a cruise ship? I know one couple just got off a cruise in here. Like, has anybody been on a cruise in this room? Anybody? I've never been on one. I want to go on one, but I've never been on one. And so sometimes I feel like churches, kind of the, the mentality in America, especially because we're such a consumerism, consumer-driven mentality in our, in, our, in our country, is that we come to church to get. I, I'm receiving, receiving a word, receiving worship. I didn't like that song. I didn't like that pastor. I didn't like, I'm receiving stuff. Give me, give me. I want, that, I want that buffet. You know what I mean? But I think, biblically speaking, a church is more like an aircraft carrier than a cruise ship, Right? You fly in, you get refueled, you get your ammunition put on, and you go back out, right? That's what we're called to do as a church. We're called to fly in here on the weekends, see our family, go back on mission, back on mission, back on mission, back on mission. Our goal as a church, at this church, is to create a space for us to celebrate. I want this place to be a place where we celebrate what God's doing in connect groups. I had the opportunity to go to two connect groups this week in our city, one in Guyton and one, and one here in Pooler. And what I've noticed is that God is moving in every single area that I went to in great and mighty ways that I have. I, I can't own any of that. 
God is just moving. It's awesome. And what I noticed as I was, as I was reading the Bible this weekend in my time of study, I noticed from Genesis to Revelation, from Guyton to Pooler to Rinkin to Savannah, we see from Genesis to Revelation, one big story of God's love and redemption and his plan for humanity from, from the start and the finish. And I want to tell you this this morning. We can't look past that in Scripture and make it about us. Because anytime you open Scripture and say, this is about me, you, you, you've missed the point. This book is about God and His glory being revealed to all nations. And your, your plan for that is to, is to step into that story and to use your gifts, your abilities, your time, your talent, your treasures, your job, your family, is to see His glory revealed in all nations, in your corner of all nations. If you're a Christian here this morning and I'm sure there are some in here this morning. Um, God's will for your life, God's will for your life is for you to be living on mission. That's, that's God's will for your life, for you to be living on mission. And what that means is once you've surrendered your life to Christ, and if you're a Christian, that means you've surrendered your life to Christ, your life is consumed with the mission and not your own goals and dreams and aspirations. He gives you new dreams and new goals and new aspirations. The mission of God is for His glory, His glory to be revealed to the nations, to, to and, the, and the United States as a nation, just so you know, to the nations, and, and for the gospel to be, to be preached to, to throughout all the earth. That's the mission of God. And we say, what it, that, we say that what it means to follow Jesus is to do, is for you to do that, do what you do well to the glory of God and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. That, that's the goal of every Christian, I think, in this room it should be. And we want to see, as a church, Connection Church Pooler, the Big C Church throughout this world, we want to start seeing the Great Commission becoming an accomplished fact instead of something we teach about in Bible school. I want to see the Great Commission come to fruition. Don't y'all? How awesome would that be to, to be living in the day where the Great Commission was finished and, and, the, and, the, and the skies opened up and Jesus came back and said, man, that would be awesome. And that's what it's about. And that's what we're living for, guys. And, and last week, we talked through Philippians 3, where, where we heard Paul encouraging us to live a life that counts. Live a life that counts. And we saw him name off all these things that he had done. I was a good religious man. I was passionate about the church. I had a good family. Had my, my, my family heritage was good. I knew the scripture. And he comes to the end of it, he said, it's all rubbish. It all doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is knowing Christ Jesus. That's it, period. Knowing him and the fullness of his love for me and for the world, that's all that matters. And this is what I see when I read Paul, all over, all over the place when I'm reading Paul's writings. God's purposes in scripture were the foundation for Paul's purposes in life. You see what I'm saying? Like we, go, we go through life like, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? What's, I mean, if you're a Christian here this morning, this, is, this shouldn't be you, but if you're a Christian here this morning, you're like, what's God's will for my life? Open this Bible and start reading and you'll start learning what your purpose is. He's giving you talents, abilities to be used for the purposes of Him, of Him. And I love that. He took scripture seriously as he was writing. And today, when you ask people, this is what gets on my nerves, man. Like when you ask people, who are, enter, who are entering adulthood, and I was a youth pastor, so I, that age gets kind of awkward sometimes. When you, when you ask them, like, what do you want to do with your life? What do you, you want to be when you grow up? Now that you're getting to the age where you're growing up, what do you want to do? You hear the answers like doctor, lawyer, baseball player, teacher, business owner, all this stuff. And all these things are great. All these things are awesome. But, but when you ask them their, what their agenda has to do with God's agenda, 
you get a lot of blank stares. You're like, well, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. What does that mean? God is doing something on earth. He's told us very clearly in Scripture. And if we're followers of Jesus, our ambitions, our plans has to begin to, to fit in line with his mission. They have to because we're believers in Christ. We're followers of him. And today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. And, and, and we're going to look at how Paul shows the Colossian church how they can successfully carry out the mission in the places God has placed them. They believe God has placed me here, so I'm going to carry out the mission of God here. This is where he's placed me. My hope is that God will bring, he will begin to move us as a church from a place of just people who know how to talk about Jesus to, to a place to, to people who begin to look like Jesus and begin to join Jesus on his mission to see his glory revealed in all the earth. That's my heart. That's our heart as a church. And before, before he gets into chapter 3, what Paul does in Colossians, he says it, it does little good for Christians to declare and defend the truth. You know, I can tell you all the points of Scripture. I can tell you the gospel. I can do all this stuff. And I can, I can, I can argue and debate you all day long. But they fail to demonstrate it in their lives. It does little good to know stuff without demonstrating it. it right? Right? It's, 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 it's pointless. And, and, I, and as I read this, it, it made me realize that we're in our culture at a tipping point when it comes to faith. We're at a tipping point. And there's some, there's some Christians who defend the truth relentlessly. It might be some of you in here this morning that would defend the truth. If you talk about Jesus, then you'll start getting, you'll start getting mad and want to fight somebody if somebody talks bad about Jesus. But when it comes to your life, everything in your personal life, everything they claim to believe and love, they deny it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? You, you, know, you know that you know that person. You know it might be. I don't know. It reminds me of Titus chapter one, verse sixteen. He says, "It says he's talking about the the people in the church. Says they profess that they know God. They profess that they know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That's terrifying. That's scary for me as a, as a pastor. As someone who tries to follow Jesus, is like." Am I professing something? Am I professing God, that I know God? And am I not? Am I, am I walking it out? Are we walking it out this morning? And to bring some context into this, they were, they were stuck in the middle of the Jewish Judaizers and they had these, these Greek God worshipers and they, they were stuck in the middle of this place. But the Christian faith brought a whole new perspective into that society. And what we believe is a very, very different perspective. And there's a very definite connection between what you believe and how you behave. What you believe and how you walk. Faith in Christ, what does it mean? It means you've been united with Christ in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly places. It means Christ is seated next to God. In Christ, you are in Christ. You are seated with Christ next to God. You've been a, you're, an, you're an heir to the throne with Christ. And what that looks like, it means our lives begin to look very different because it means I'm not gonna live for myself anymore if I'm with Christ. And I don't think you can be in Christ and not be changed. Can we agree with that? Are we awake this morning? Okay, got to wake up. All right. We have to understand that because when you meet Jesus, when you understand who Jesus Christ is, when you understand what he's done on the cross, what he's done through the gospel, everything changes. And Paul was connecting following Jesus with a life very different than the culture that they were living in. 
He was saying there's a difference in who you are and the people that are around you. And what he's going to do is he's going to give us some instructions on how to apply the gospel to their lives. And I'm going to give you four quick ones that I'm going to focus on of what he told them about. And so before we do that, I want to pray really quick. And we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. So let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. I pray that you would come and fill your word with your Holy Spirit. Change hearts, Father. Change lives, Father. I pray that someone would come to realizing the, who, they, who you are, Father, and how much that they need you. Lord, we love you so much, and it's your name I pray. Amen. So let's jump right in. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to break it down, okay? So it says this. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humbleness, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is a big sentence you can underline in your Bible. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in, in, in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were created with two peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. And so the main thought you, get, you have to get, we have to get through this scripture, is to be in a place to understand and apply this message this morning, is that if... The, the biggest word in the Bible is if, okay? It is. If, because there's, you might not be, but if, if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian in here this morning, if you're going from death to life, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you trust in who he is, everything in your life has changed, and that all happened because you put your, you put your faith in Jesus. And Paul is reminded, he's reminded, he's trying to remind us that if that has happened, that we have a new reality in life. We're not, we're, we're, the old is gone is what 1 Corinthians says. The old is gone, the new has come. And this is not just a one-time decision we've made when we were 11 years old, 25 years old, or last week. Like, you're saved at the point of justification, yes, but it's not a one-time decision we make. It's a lifetime of little decisions to follow Jesus on this day, to follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. In the small mundane things of life, I'm following Jesus and I'm leaving the ways of this world behind me. It's not about checking that box, I'm saved, now I'll get back to my life. That's not what happens. Jesus changes our lives from the inside out. It's about who we are from this point on. Jesus has changed our identity, who we are, whose we are, and who we're becoming. Those three things are big. Those, if you understand those three things about yourself, it'll change your life. Whose you are, who you are because of him, 
and who we're becoming. So this morning, who are you becoming? And this is the beginning of a brand new lifestyle. And and Paul is saying, if this is you, if you walk around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, I love Jesus, yes, I do, then there's got to be a very different, there's got to be a very distinct difference between you and the world. There's got to be. There's no questions around that. And you can look in verses one through four again. And as we we look in there, and and the first point can be found in verses one through four. And the first way that Paul is telling us to apply the gospel to our lives is he's saying, set your focus, your heart, your mind on heaven. Set your focus on heaven. It says, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Get your mind out the earth. Get, look up at Jesus. Focus on him. And Paul is saying, since then, what are you saying? Since you've, we're, we're, we're already saying, you've been saved. Okay, we got it. I see, I see the fruit. Since you've been saved, set your mind, set, set your mind on these things, which means if all this has changed and you're in Christ, I want you to be able to live in the power of that change, not in the power of sin anymore. Because what people have done is they, they've said yes to Jesus, I'm gonna follow you, I've gone from death to life, and they walk back into their sin. It's, it's stupid, okay? It's not, it's, not, it's not the way God's called us to do. And realizing that when these things change inside of you or me, it put you in on a new track for life. You were on this track, and then you've been moved over because Christ has set you free from a life of sin and shame. We're not just looking at the next thing on our calendars or our to-do list. Check, got that, done that. I'm not looking forward to next week. We're looking towards the eternal realities and when Jesus Christ comes back, that right now he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty where by faith in him, we're connected to that reality right now. Not next week, not next month. We're in Christ, we're there now, positionally now. And that affects everything else around me. It has to. It affects everything, my decisions, my career, where I spend my time, where I spend my money, where I go to college, how my future is planned, where I live, who I marry. It means our whole worldview, our whole worldview is changed when we met Christ. At least it should have. Our whole worldview, how we saw the world, how we saw our plans, no longer is everything going in our orbit around me and my life and my desires It's me, my life, my family, my time, my treasures, my talent, my abilities, my spiritual gifts, orbiting around the one who is supreme and sufficient over everything. I'm giving him everything. It's no longer, God, please give me this, please give me that. You're answering my beck and call. It's I'm here, I'm I'm, I'm surrendered. It's me living, I'm alive to serve God with all my life, all my heart, all my plans, all my dreams, no matter what that looks like. That means there's no, there's, there, there, you, get, you put your yes on the table and you don't take it back. That means you put your yes on the table of it. Whatever he says, you're in because you love him and you know he's good. Because we talked about it a long time ago. God is sovereign, God is good, and God loves you. Those three things combined will change your life and will change your life for a very good purpose. Can we, can, can we agree with that? Can we get an amen this morning? Listen, I prayed last night at a wedding. And I, everybody's laughing at me, I don't care, whatever. I was praying last night at the wedding, I said amen, everybody was like, amen. I said, that's the most amens I've ever gotten at one time. It was awesome. Sorry. All right. Just thought I'd share that little information. All right, so in, listen, it's, it's now about my dreams and my, my plans and my control. That's gone. That's over. All that stuff, my control is gone. It's all for the Lord, and there's no limits to my obedience. What that means is I'm living on mission. I'm living on mission. It means I'm listening to him. I'm putting my yes on the table, like I said, and, I, and I'm not putting limits on God because I'm not in control anymore. 
That's, that's, that's the way our, our Christian life works. It may mean you live here in Pula the rest of your life and serve God relentlessly forever. It may mean you live your life in India, reaching an unreached people group for the gospel. It might mean that you, that you are on full-time ministry, preach, preaching up here every week. It might mean that you take a strategic job somewhere in North Carolina or California to, to spread the gospel in a way that only you can. It may mean anything, but God wants your yes. And if I'm in Christ now, there's a new me, a new life, and that new life is hidden in Christ. It's hidden in Christ. And that's what this, this is what this means is I'm so connected to God that I can never be disconnected from God once I'm in Christ. Isn't that awesome news? I'm in Christ. Christ is in God. And I'm woven into that. That's good stuff. That's awesome. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. And that changes everything. And that's saying we have a new identity. And that needs to be walked in. Listen, our new identity in Christ needs to be walked in and stop being hoped for. Because it's already a reality. If you're in Christ, I'm tired of hearing people say, I'm praying for this, I'm praying for this. You've already got it, so walk in it. If you're a Christian, walk in it and stop hoping for it. In Christ, it's yours. Did you hear that? Stop hoping and praying for something that Scripture says is yours. Okay, walk in that identity. Christ is not some eternal check mark for your life. He's the very source of your life on a Monday when you gotta go to work. He's the very source of life for your marriage, for your friendships, not just when you open your Bible and pray and when you, he leaves when you close it. He's there all the time. This is the new normal for you if you're in Christ, the new, way, new normal way of living. It's normal. For, for those people who are in Christ, it says in verse four, we just read it, we're going to appear with him in glory. That's awesome that I get to do that one day. I want to appear with Christ in glory. I just want to tag along. I don't, I don't even have to be the center of attention. I just want to walk behind him. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. This is cool. Like God, we're gonna appear with Him in glory. That should change how my mind works, guys. Listen, that if, if you get verse four, we're gonna appear with Christ in glory. That should change how I think about everything, right? That that means life just opens up to a brand new way of thinking. Like, if that's true, if you believe that, and a lot of people don't, a lot of people who say I'm a Christian don't believe that. If you believe that, that changes everything in your life. That changes your mind in so many different levels. Our worldview has changed, all that stuff. But as we live in the world, sometimes it's hard to see. So Paul says, set your focus upward and stop focusing on things here. Set your focus upward. Set your focus upward. He says, set your hearts, set your minds. This means set your thoughts, your affections, your goals your, on heavenly things. This means don't just seek heaven, but think heaven. Stop seeking heaven and start thinking heavenly thoughts. Start thinking that way. And I, look, I looked at the word set like I always do. The word set, in, in this context, it means to establish. It means to establish. And if it's something that's established cannot be moved. So set your mind on things of heaven. Number two is to kill the flesh. Kill the flesh. Kill the flesh. Verse five through nine talks about this. And I want to walk through this a little backwards. If you look at verse nine in your Bibles, it says, since you've taken off your old self. Is that what it says? Since you've taken off your old self, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Verse five, look at verse five. It says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, old self. What this means is there's an act of killing of our sin that has to take place if we're following Christ. So since I've taken off my old self, kill the things that are trying to come against your new self. Kill those things that are trying to come against you, the things that you're trying to walk back into. Your old self is gone is what it says. So walk in the newness of life. 
killing sin, killing your flesh, there's a personal responsibility that most Christians do not want to talk about because they think they're just going to just be gloriously sanctified the moment of salvation. That is not how your faith works. That is not how your faith works. You can't just wing it. You can't not, you cannot wing your faith and expect to be successful in that. We have to be made new. And if we put on that new self, like scripture tells us, the next step is to move away from the things that belong to the, to the old self, to move away. They become sickening to us because they're sinful. And just because you've been, you've been put, a, a new spirit been put inside of you, it doesn't mean the house isn't still dirty. The gospels talk about, you gotta clean the house. You gotta fill it with things, the Holy Spirit, fill it with things of God. When we become more and more aware of the beauty of who Christ is, what he's done on the cross, what he's done through the gospel, and the gravity of the gospel, killing our flesh becomes easier and easier because the beauty of Christ and our relationship with him becomes more desirable than the sin that once cursed us and once controlled us. And if you're a Christian here this morning who's truly following Jesus, you know that's true. Listen, that's it's huge. And one of the most heartbreaking things I've seen as a pastor, as a Christian, as as just a person, I guess, you know, like I, in, in the church, like in the church, in these seats, in churches around the nation, is I see more people in the church who are saying, I'm Christian, being influenced by the world than I see the church being influencers of the world. And that's hurtful to me. Like they've given into these past, this, this passivity and into they're trying to please people instead of God. They're trying to do these things to get up, a leg up in life. And there's this cynicism that, that creates a numbness because people are tired of seeing people proclaim a message of Christ but, but live powerless lives. People don't care about that. It's time for the church to stand up and be who, we've, who we're claiming we are. Jesus did not, period. He did not put his spirit inside of us, inside of you, just to give us a slightly better life. Do you know what I mean? He, he didn't put his spirit inside of you for, you can just stop drinking as much, or you can stop looking at pornography as much, or you can stop uh, cussing at your kids or your wife as much. He didn't, that's not why he put his spirit inside of you. He put his spirit inside of you he, 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 to help you, one, to kill the flesh, then to influence a lost world with the gospel and to put his power inside of you to see the kingdom come and his will be done in all nations. And we were called to spread that glory to the ends of the earth. People should see in us newness. That's, what the, that's the good news of the gospel. And I see people being comfortable and with known and hidden sins and not seeming to care if it's breaking the heart of God or not. And this is not the heart of Jesus, and this is not what he came to do in the church. It's impossible to have our minds set heavenward, heavenward, and allow ourselves to be influenced by the world. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. Look in Scripture, I promise. It's time for people, it's time for many, many people in the church to take off the grave clothes. We talked about Lazarus a few, few weeks ago, a few months ago now. Jesus had called him out of the grave. He, he was dead. He called him up. He was, he was alive. Jesus spoke. He came alive. He was breathing. He was walking. Probably pretty pumped up to be alive again. I don't know. Maybe not because he had seen heaven. But he still had his stinky, nasty old grave clothes on. And Jesus told the people standing around, the people who loved Lazarus, the people who did life with Lazarus, the, the people who were in his connect group, to take off his grave clothes and to set him free. Take off his grave clothes and set him free. And there are people in this room, Thomas was talking about you this morning, there are people in this room that need to have their grave clothes removed. There are people in here that said, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but you're still living in the sin that you once did. 
And you've been set free from that. And there are people in here today that, that were meant to help those people, to remove those grave clothes, but they're so consumed with their own lives that they've quenched the Spirit and deadened their hearts and ears to the call of the Holy Spirit as he's trying to move us into action. The reason I know that is because I've been there and I've seen the church full of people like that for so long, but God is calling the church to come alive, to be the church he's called us to be in Acts. I wanna see that. Do you guys? I wanna see that. We have to set our hearts, our minds heavenward and actively kill our flesh as we seek to follow Christ. We have to. This leads us to our next action point. This is an action point here. Number three, what do you do when you kill flesh? You put on the new self. It's like a coat. Put on the new flesh. Verse 9 through 14 says, we take off the old us and we put on the new us. This is a lifestyle, man. It's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle of remembering. Remember what Christ has done. Remember who he is. And it's all about identity. It's all about identity. Who you are. Who are you? If I were to go in this room and talk to every single person in this room, I said, who are you? Most of you would talk about your jobs, your kids, your family. Who are you? Like your identity is found in Christ when you, are, when you become a Christian. It's all about identity. Sin, of course, is still in our story, but it's not who we are. Like, right? I mean, everybody sins. We've all I've sinned this week. We all have sin. We struggle with sin, but our identity is changed. It, the power of sin was destroyed completely on the cross, completely. But listen, we never need to settle for that label, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, you were a sinner who was saved by grace is what happened, okay? That's not who you are anymore. You're a child of God, an heir with Jesus is what Scripture calls you. That's what it's about. You're a child of God. You're being sanctified. You still sin, but that's not who you are. You still have the capacity to sin, but you aren't a slave to sin. So remember that, okay? Verse 3, it says, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It says the same thing in Romans 8, verse 10. It says, but if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. That's awesome. That's good news. Amen. That's good stuff. It's awesome. The way we do this, guys, you got to hear this. The way we do this is a daily attitude adjustment of living in the Word, living in truth, and changing the way we think. Living in the Word living in truth, changing the way we think. My question for you this morning is, how do you determine truth? How do you determine truth? What's truth? How do you determine that in your life? Because there's only one truth. You can't create truth. Truth can only be revealed. You can't create it. Do you consume scripture? Do you read the scriptures? Do you read the word of God? And I'm gonna tell you this right now, the best way to be a person who only talks about God but never walks their faith out is to be someone who neglects the Word of God. That's the best way to do it. You want to be someone that talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk? Just put this down and put it on the shelf. Don't read it. That's the way it works. If you're a Christ follower, guys, this book is your lifeline, it's your daily bread, it's your compass, and it's your purpose and source of life. And the way you begin to change the way you think from the world, worldly way of thinking is to do it to a heavenly way of thinking is by reminding yourself over and over and over again how God sees you. The way that he sees you is you've been blessed, highly favored because he sees Jesus in you if you're in Christ. Listen, too many people are living powerless and ineffective lives, all while claiming the Lord Jesus. And this doesn't make sense to me. Because Colossians 2, a chapter before, verse 6, it says, 
in Christ, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. The hope of glory. People should look at your life and be like, man, I something to that, man. Give people hope. Listen, guys, the first step is putting on the new self, Put, knowing your identity and putting it on every day, speaking the gospel to your life every day, knowing who you are in Christ every day. If you struggle with this, then point four is for you. If you don't know how to put on this new self, point four is for you. Let the gospel work its way deeper into your heart. Let the gospel work its way deeper into your heart. Verses 15 through 17, we look at this. It remembers what we always say in here. We never outgrow the gospel. We never outgrow the gospel in this room, ever, never. We never grow to the point where the gospel doesn't apply to me or to you, never, never. The gospel, it, it, it saves us, yes, from our sins, but it also sustains us for the work of the gospel that God assigns us as we're living on mission. The gospel comes alive and moves us forward. It says in verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And what that means is let the peace we find in the gospel of Jesus to rule. Let it rule in our lives. Because let me tell you, as you read scripture, as you read the gospel, you see that Jesus came and lived a life that I should have lived, but I couldn't. And he died a death that I was owed, that I should have, that I should have died because of my sin. If, if, if I believe that, there's a peace in that that I'm able to live free. I'm able to live knowing that my, my inheritance is in heaven being kept for me. That is something that gives me peace. When the world comes against me, oh, whatever. I mean, okay, I, I got peace. My peace is above this world. My hope is above this world. He goes on and says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And what that means is let the gospel be on your lips. Talk about the gospel, what Jesus has done. Stop talking about the Georgia Bulldogs so much and talk about Jesus. Stop talking about stuff that doesn't matter and talk about Jesus and what he's done in your life. Talk about where he's working, where he's moving and different things and talk about the things that matter. Talk, study it, live it. Stop wasting words on temporal things and start talking about eternal things. And my question for you today, is Christ being glorified in your life? Is he being glorified in your life? We can sit here and be like, yeah, amen, pastor. But is he being glorified in your life? Is the gospel coming alive in you? Are you, a, are you a living example of the gospel to the people around you? Do you believe the gospel? Do you even know what the gospel means? And our prayer in here is that the gospel, guys, would multiply deeper inside of your heart so that it can come out of you and multiply wider through your life. That's our heart in here as a church. And the message of the cross, the message of hope and peace was meant to be given away, not kept silently and, and safely inside of a building we call churches, man. It's meant to be carried by you and by me to the ends of the earth to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords glorified through all eternity. And at Connection, we'll constantly and we'll loudly proclaim, unashamedly talk about the gospel because we agree with Paul when it says, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. And thank goodness we're Gentiles included in that, right? No Bible lesson, no sermon is complete without the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. No ministry strategy. We come up here at the church. No mission strategy or, or kids strategy or, or, or outreach strategy is going to be complete without it because it's not going to take off without the gospel because it has to be, the gospel has to be woven in 
The gospel has to be woven in because it's the hope of the world. Nothing we do should ever lack a gospel motivation or a gospel focus. This is why it gets so, so confusing to talk to people who say, I'm a Christ follower or I'm a Christian and they're not serving and they're not giving and they're not loving people and they're not being examples of the gospel to the people around them. That is confusing. Guys, it's weird. According to scripture, according to these pages that I read, it's, it's weird to find a Christian who is not involved in a body of Christ somewhere. It's weird. And I'm not saying coming to church. I'm saying being deeply invested in the body. Going, serving, loving, giving, participating in the things of the body. And I'm not even, I'm not even saying come to connection. I'm saying find a place that you can find that you can be rooted and be growing and be serving and loving. And that, this morning, if you're inactive in your faith, it tells me you haven't let the gospel work its way deep into your heart and allowed it into the to, to, and allowed it access to the deep recesses of your heart. So my question this morning: have you set your eyes heavenward? Have you, have you started to kill the flesh yet? Are you just beginning? Have you put on the new self? And have you let the gospel work its way deep inside of you? Or do you have no idea what I'm talking about? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want to talk to you because Jesus came and lived and died for you personally, personally. He thought of you on the cross. He thought of you when he was making this plan throughout eternity. Like, listen, there's nothing that gets past him. There's nothing in your life that he doesn't see. There's nothing in his, in his life, in your life. There's nothing in your life that surprises him or makes him mad or scares him away. If you're a Christian here this morning, just pray. Pray for the person here that does not, does not know Jesus. The person that's never taken that step this morning. The person who says, I, I hear you, Michael, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. I want to talk to you. If you don't know who Jesus is, if, you, if you've heard the name, but you, and you've seen a bunch of Christians live, a, live an ungodly life, and you've seen a bunch of Christians give Jesus a bad name, if you've seen that, I'm sorry, because that's not what Scripture talks about. But what I do want to tell you is Jesus is very real. He's the Son of God. And he loves you to the point of death. And this morning, if you've never given your life, surrender to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that because I want to walk with you in those steps. Because what it looks like is your life is going to come alive. Your life is going to have purpose and meaning that far outstretches the temporal things that you see around you. So this morning, if that's you, if you've never turned your life over to Christ, and this morning you know that Jesus is calling you this morning, and that you, you'll know this because your heart's racing right now. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to raise your hand, and we want to pray with you. If anybody here this morning wants to make that decision, we want to walk through that with you. And what happened here this morning, if you raise your hand, if that's you, and, you're, and you want to surrender your life to him and you want to follow Jesus, this room's going to, there's an uproar that's going to happen because we're going to clap and cheer for you because you've gone from death to life in Christ. So this morning, if that's anybody, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. Does anybody here this morning want to take that step here this morning? Anybody? I'll wait all day. I don't care. Anybody? All right. That means we're all saved, I hope. So to the other people in here, if you've been struggling in these four steps, setting your mind on heaven, setting your heart on heaven, coining the gospel over your life, letting it preach to you, if you've been struggling with those things, we're about to dismiss. But I want to I ask you, I'm going to pray a while. We're not going to turn on the music. We're just going gonna to let you pray. Just come up here. If you got to go, go. I'm going to pray and we can dismiss. But don't leave here without getting that right. Because that's between you and God, not between me and you. So get it right today. And if you didn't want to raise your hand a minute ago, you know that's the next step for you to, to follow Christ, come talk to me. I'll talk to you until however long 
I don't get arrested for being here still. So just, I'll talk to you all day, whatever it takes. But let me pray for us and then we'll go. Uh, Father God, we love you. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for loving us when we did not deserve the love. I thank you for loving us, God, whenever we deserve death. I thank you, Father, for the people in this room that you've called specifically for a purpose in this world. And I pray, God, that you would ignite a fire in their hearts so hot that they cannot say no, God, that they would wake up, God. They would see the grander purpose of life as to see the kingdom come and the will be done on this earth as it is in heaven and see the glory of God reach the ends of the earth. And so this morning, God, I pray that you would put us on a path as a church, God, to see the Great Commission come to pass, that we would see it completed, God, that we would see you come alive in our hearts, alive in our groups, and God, we would see life change happening, God, because you're good, and we love you so much, Father. In your name I pray.